Hi, folks, and welcome to another Wildlife for You podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Payne, and I'm joined here by my partner and co-host, Daryl Radajak. Tonight, we're going to jump back into our, our species series and recognizable as well as one of the most beloved and feared species out there, the brown bear, otherwise known as the grizzly. Good intro, Steph. And uh, just so you know, you know I've been looking forward to this episode for quite some time. As you know, bears, well, they're right up my alley. And I think given your export, ex, export, do you export things? <laughs> Not that often. <laughs> well, you should begin because you're a good export. Um, your expertise in wart training, we can do a pretty good job covering this one. So how do you want to attack this topic of brown bears? Well, I guess the first thing that I want to attack is my wart training and make sure that it's crystal clear that folks understand that wart actually stands for Wildlife Human Attack Response Training. Terrible acronym, we know. Anyway, this is where my, my team and I, we train state, federal, and provincial law enforcement officers and, and others that really need to be involved, but we train them how to handle severe or fatal animal attacks. And as you can imagine, grizzlies, they make up a big chunk of that training. So as beautiful and as inspiring as these bears are, they're still very formidable animals. And unfortunately, they are sometimes involved in some pretty negative interactions with humans. Well, my friend, I think you actually just set the stage for this podcast. I did. I mean, I, I didn't even know we got a stage. Here yeah. I am just sitting in a room. You're such a goof. Anyway, I was debating on the angle that we take for today's podcast, because face it, Steph, you and I, we, we can talk about brown bears for hours and hours. But for some reason, you're this like little tyrant over there with <laughs> trying to keep the podcast around 30 minutes. So I figured we probably ought to narrow our focus down. And your wart training mention, well, that kind of reminded me that most people are truly enamored with this whole danger factor associated with grizzlies. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's probably because it's built into our human psyche and our instincts to pay really close attention to those things in nature that can easily kill you. I mean, see, those ancestors of ours, they were pretty darn sharp. Being able to survive in the wild with this gauntlet of animals that were faster, more powerful, had better natural offensive and defensive physical features like big teeth and claws, and they had keener senses than us. So, you know, well, it's, let's just say it's no small feat to be able to do that. So it's safe to say humans have always been very well aware of the danger of grizzlies. Good explanation. So would you mind if I begin this topic? Yeah, oh, go right ahead. Well, I was just sitting here thinking, I, I think before we get started, I want to preface everything with the simple fact that bears are freaking awesome. They're probably one of my most favorite animals, and they're truly, they're, there's really nothing to be afraid of. Now, don't get me wrong, they're breathtaking, they're powerful, they're awe-inspiring creatures, but here's the catch. Bears are wild animals. And let me add to that, they are wild animals that can kill you if they wanted to. So although we need not fear these, fair, although we need not fear these animals, we really do need to respect them. 
Sorry, now I'm going to be chanting, fair the bear, fair the bear. Did you ever have one of those days where you just can't get a word out that sounds right? Oh my gosh, I'm having one of those days today. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I, I think it, that that's a great point though. Not, you know, if I can get the fair the bear out of my head, but <laughs> I do think it's a great point. Although most people do respect the fact that bears are actually bears and, you know, thereby potentially very dangerous there seems to be this this teddy bear-like feeling among this small portion of the public. That's neither healthy for the person, but most especially, it's not healthy for the bear, since it sometimes leads to people doing things that ultimately lead to a bear's demise, like feeding. Okay, no, that's a, that's a really good point. But let's get to this idea of grizzlies being this dangerous, or, or should we say semi-dangerous kind of animal. Now, to begin to understand that, we need to talk about bears that the vast majority of people are familiar with. Those are black bears. So, Steph, would you say that the majority of folks in North America are fairly familiar with black bears? Maybe not super familiar, but black bears are the most common bear found here. If, if I remember correctly, black bears are in all of the Canadian provinces except for Prince uh, Edward Island. And something like 41 of the 50 states have viable reproducing black bear populations. Of the nine states that don't, most of them do have occasional sightings of black bears that wander in from nearby states. I, th I think the only two states that we can say for certain that don't have black bears, well, it's Hawaii and actually it's possibly Delaware. Um, and, but even that one, that one's iffy. So I would imagine when most people think of bears, yes, they're probably thinking of black bears. See, I knew you'd have some solid info to share with us. So, all right, let's let's say we're all fairly familiar with black bears. So let's let's discuss some biology for a second. Now, if you look at the average size of black bears, we're talking about a bear that that's really not that much larger than us. Yeah, I, I totally understand. Large males can get to be maybe close to 400, sometimes even 500 pounds. But typically, you're looking at a big male that weighs somewhere in that two, 300-pound range. And here's the thing. Female black bears, they're even smaller than that. So on average, those female bears, they may be in that 150 to 200-pound range. Now, the one thing I want everyone to keep in mind is there is tremendous weight fluctuations in bears because of this hyperphagia and hibernation which, just so everyone knows, it's, it's more or less a feeding frenzy in the fall time than is followed by more or less a starvation diet when they're hibernating. So there, there's tremendous weight fluctuations there. But for the most part, black bears, when you look at it, they're only slightly larger than humans. So, all right, Steph, tell me, behaviorally, what does a black bear typically do when it encounters a human? In most situations, they don't want anything to do with humans. And in fact, they're typically extremely afraid of humans. This is why it's so rare to see a, a bear when you're actually out in the backcountry. It's only those bears that have become habituated or food conditioned that are comfortable at all around humans. Exactly. And it's, it's kind of understandable, too, that they're afraid of us. Because think about it. Black bears, they're, like I just described, they're similar in size to humans. And here's the thing. We're always walking upright. To them, we probably look like a pretty formidable opponent. So by nature, black bears are pretty timid when they're around humans. 
yeah, I know there's special circumstances, but when we're talking about bear behavior in general, we're, we're talking about these general behaviors displayed by most black bears. Yeah. Um, and this is probably why state agencies often tell people to act aggressive or to fight back with black bears. But we've recently learned that that's not always the best response. But given that the, the black bears are fairly timid, it's understandable. I mean, it, it does sometimes work in some situations. Okay. Well, now that we kind of explain the background of black bears, let's switch gears and now let's start talking about brown bears. But you know, before we do that, can we clear up the whole brown bear, grizzly bear issue so our, our listeners know exactly what we're talking about? That's a good idea because I know some people are confused by that. So you want the honors? Sure, sure. So, okay, just so folks know, there are three species of bears in North America. There's black bears, brown bears, and polar bears. We'll save the polar bear discussion for an entirely different podcast. That leaves us black bears and brown bears, obviously. Most people are familiar with black bears, so let's let's focus on browns. Some people may wonder, well, you said there's three, and but you forgot. What about grizzlies? Um, well, grizzlies are actually simply a subspecies of brown bears. Geographically speaking, grizzlies are brown bears that are typically found on the interior part of the continent, primarily within the Rocky Mountain chain. Um, although... <laughs> Sorry, this Western historical range expanded all the way uh, historically again to the Mississippi River. But now, you know, they're pretty much found in the Western portions of, of Canada, Alaska, and, you know, also the U.S. So there's also populations of grizzlies that inhabit what we call the Great Yellowst Greater Yellowstone Ecosystem, or you'll hear us sometimes refer to it as the GYE. So those gigantic bears, I want to be clear, those gigantic bears that you see on TV, the ones weighing in in, in excess of 1,200 pounds, um, those are Alaskan brown bears. And, and that's, they're typical for the Alaskan, you know, kind of coastal brown bear. And the reason they grow so much larger is primarily because of diet. So those bears, they're eating a tremendous amount of salmon all along the coast, which, as everyone knows, is an extremely rich food source. Grizzlies, on the other hand, those interior bears, um, like the brown bears that are in the Rockies, they don't have access to that salmon. They're typically eating berries and grubs and, you know, the occasional opportunistic elk or, or other carcass. Don't get me wrong. Grizzlies can grow large, four to 800 pounds. Um, so that's, that's big, but they are not typically as large as their, their coastal Alaskan counterparts. You done? Because that was excellent. That really good job, <laughs> really good job describing the difference between brown bears and grizzlies. And like you said, they're they're all the same species, but because of that geographic and diet difference, they're a little bit different in size. But that, my friend, that's the key to understanding brown bears. Oh yeah, how so? Well, you described the grizzlies as being in that 400 to 800 pound range. And just so you know, those Alaskan brown bears can get over 1,200 pounds, sometimes 1,600 pounds. They're absolute gigantic creatures. Correct me, yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's there's a lot of people who refer to those coastal Alaskan brown bears as Kodiak bears, probably because of, of Kodiak Island being one of the many islands up there. But is yeah. that 
Yeah, that's that is uh, the subspecies is Ursus arctos middendorfii. Those are the Kodiak bears. Those are the ones found on Kodiak Island, and they're okay. gargantuan. They they are absolutely huge animals. Like I said, twelve hundred to sixteen hundred pounds. But let's let's even focus on those those interior brown bears, those grizzlies, those those big brown bears in that Yellowstone ecosystem. Even you mentioned they can get pretty large. Typically they're in that 400 to 600 pound range, but they could get all the way to 800 pounds. And so um, how do you think an animal that, that could be 600 pounds or 800 pounds, how do you think that animal reacts to a human? <laughs> well, probably in a, you know, get out of my way, you pesky little hairless biped, you annoy me. <laughs> and they turn Czechoslovakia. <laughs> <or something. laughs> Russian woot. <laughs> anyway, you, you hit the nail right on the head. Simply put, the, the sheer size of those animals means they're typically much less timid than black bears. And they're usually not as fearful of humans. In fact, you even said a word that often describes interactions with brown bears. Sometimes it's, it's like humans annoy them. And this, unfortunately, it sometimes leads brown bears to try to try to kind of push us around a little bit. Now, again, this is very understandable because they're sometimes three or four times bigger than us. Yeah. I remember watching one of your classes, um, one of the webinar classes, and you described brown bears as being somewhat aloof, we'll say. Um, and I think that's a good character description because it's not like they don't care, um, but in so many situations, they don't feel as threatened by humans, as say a black bear, because after all, they they are the big kid on the block. Yeah, and, and this is why you've got to be very wary of running into a brown bear, since th they're way more likely to push you around. Now, let us clarify: in most situations, a brown bear will still run from you. They 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 will run from humans. But because they don't want to engage us, but in the event of a close encounter, they are much more likely to face off with us than, say, a black bear. Now, this is why you have to take extra precautions so as not to surprise a brown bear at close range. Obviously, especially if it has cubs, um, because if you surprise a brown bear with cubs, yeah, it's really bad juju there. So let me, well, juju, let me ask you this, juju BD. Um, <laughs> I'm going to call you Jujubee. Are, are brown bears doing the same things behaviorally as black bears, though? What I, and what I mean by that, because I realize that's clear as mud, um, are those typical physical displays? Are those happening? You know, like the jaw popping, the huffing, the bluff charges? Very good. Very good question. And absolutely. They, they have all those same behaviors. But I guess the best way to describe the brown bear behavior is they'll usually have a much shorter fuse than black bears. So whereas you, you run into a black bear, they may put on a display for a minute or two because they, like I said, they really don't, don't want to engage us because they're, we're, we're a good match for a black, for a uh, black bear. Brown bears on the other hand, they typically, they want you to get that message much quicker. So simply put, they can literally have a bad temper. And before we go any further, I'd like to remind everyone 
that the information we share here on this podcast, just so you know, it's general information and it's based on loads and loads of data and experience. Having, as we go forward and explain all these behaviors and what to expect, you have to keep in mind, bears are unpredictable. Just when you think you're, they're gonna react one way, they may do something completely unexpected. So nothing we nor anyone else can say nothing we no information we give you is foolproof so just i hope everyone understands that we're simply telling you how bears will typically react yes good point and even in in my wart training my wildlife human attack response training we are constantly stressing that you can never trust a bear um but okay so now now that we have a bit of their biology and behavior explained where where do you want to go next where do we go next? Well, now that we've probably thoroughly scared the crap out of people, what do you say we teach them that it's it's really not as bad as as we make it out to be? And we try to give them some pointers for when they're hiking in grizzly country. Okay, that, that's a good idea because our goal here is not to teach fear, but but rather to teach that respect. So so let's first start out by saying brown bears, also known as grizzlies, again, in some areas. They live in some of the most breathtaking and unbelievable landscapes in all of North America. So if you're out there, even if you do not see a brown bear, if you're in their home, you are in for a treat. Um, but, but knowing that you're in their home, there are some precautions that you really should take. I like that you clarified it because I couldn't have said it better. Where where we find grizzlies with the greater Yellowstone, Western Canada, Alaska, just unbelievable landscapes. But if you are out there in grizzly country, first and foremost, you should always, always carry bear spray. But here's the thing, and I teach this in my classes, that is the second most powerful defensive tool you have that's gonna prevent a negative bear encounter. The most powerful tool that you carry when you're out in grizzly country is of course, and Steph, you should know this. Your brain. Uh, you talking my brain or your brain? Because my brain's usually the thing that gets me in trouble. Oh, hush, Jujube. <laughs> Who the hell is Jujube? <laughs> you, you're Jujube. Um, it's your bad Juju. Uh, I, I'm talking about people brains. So there's there's so many things that we can do on the front end that will help prevent a negative bear encounter. In, in fact, didn't we come up with a, a simple acronym to remember? And well, you know, I, I say we, but honestly, this one was mostly you um, having just a complete and total moment of brilliance. But anyway, when in bear country, just ask A-S-K. You sound surprised that I came up with something. <laughs> but, but I'm glad you brought up that ASK acronym. It, it, it truly is a handy little acronym. Now, that ASK, that ASK, it simply reminds us that whenever we're in bear country or grizzly country, that we have to be mindful of a, three things. A is for attractants. Um, the S, you have to know what to do to stay safe. And the K, you have to be knowledgeable about bears or whatever animal you're concerned about. 
Yeah. So can I can I start and talk about the A for attractants? Uh, sure. I was hoping you would. Okay. Well, this one's pretty easy. If you're worried about running into a brown bear or grizzly for that matter, you have to be mindful of things that might attract them to your location. Now, some things are really obvious. You know, we all know things like food smells are going to attract the bear. So in other words, if, if we have a cookout featuring hot dogs and hamburgers, that aroma is going to be so extremely tempting for bears in that area. But this is where you then have to start to use your brain. There's so many other attractants that you have to be mindful of. Um, for example, what, what about those clothes that you just cooked in? They're going to smell very much like that yummy food that you just cooked. Um, you may not smell it too strongly, but a bear can smell that from a mile away. And we're probably not even, you know, making a, a euphemism there. Other things, toothpaste, gum. I mean, if you're a hunter, you've got all of the smells associated with the animal that you're cleaning or hauling. Even, even non-human foods, yet still ar aromatic things, those things can be attractive to a bear. So attractants, A, attractants. Well, before we get off attractants, can we go even deeper than that? Because those things that can attract a bear, it's not always or it's not only just smells. And so can you think of maybe an auditory or visual cue that could cause a bear to approach? Oh, yeah. Yeah. One thing that comes to mind um, is sound that might mimic a hurt, dying, or very young animal. In one of our case studies, we think a woman attracted a bear into her tent in what ended up being a predatory and fatal attack because she was hysterical and crying. And those sounds, they relatively mimicked an injured animal, which, again, we think it actually attracted the bear from an existing food source to her. Same thing goes for small children crying. You know, they can, they can easily sound like a young or injured animal. Um, dog barks, they, they might also be a thing because even though dogs and bears, they're close cousins, dogs and bears just love to hate each other. So, um, when it comes to sights or weird sounds, we also have to remember that bears can be curious. So sometimes something novel may just grab their attention. Um, Daryl, I remember when you and I were doing camera traps. Um, that, that for, for the listeners, that's where we set up trail cameras to record bear activity in certain areas. And we had one bear that was doing his thing. And then he noticed the camera strapped to a tree, kind of looked at it, moseyed right on over to it licked it a few times before just chomping down right on it. So um, anyhow, and there's also some evidence to suggest that bright colors may attract a bear. So um, yellow or bright blue tints, for example, they may get more notice than a darker or more bland shade, but that is some, some pretty recent studies. And, uh, you know, I totally, I, I can't forget that chase response, which is a really big deal for some of those trail runners. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't get running in general. I mean, I've never seen somebody out running that actually looks happy while they're doing that. Anyway, um, but please know if you run in bear country, just seeing you running could trigger a chase instinct. And we've also got case study material on that. That was really good info there. And as you were bringing some of those things up two things popped into my mind as you were describing that well besides running in bear country a a really popular and growing activity is mountain biking 
and there's getting to be more and more of these single track trails which are meant for mountain bikes in some fairly remote and beautiful perfect bear and cougar country <laughs> so a, a mountain bike going at high speed if you suddenly fly by a, a bear at very close range just understand that could trigger a bear um but the other thing that I was thinking in the back of my mind, and you, you kind of somewhat brushed on it, there was actually some studies or recent studies, and I, I don't know if they have been published, but what they're finding, bears obviously love feeding on gut piles from hunter-killed animals. So someone gets a mule deer or an elk, um, the bear knows that there's going to be a gut pile soon. And literally what they found is bears were attracted by a distant gunshot because you know, that makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the ringing the dinner bell. They, they hear that and uh, they learn from a lot of things. So once they hear that gunshot, they know if they mosey in that direction soon enough, they'll smell uh, where that gut pile is and they've got their evening meal. Yeah. So, food reward. Anyway, that was great job describing how we need to be aware of attractants. So that was the A in our acronym of ASK. So let me take a stab at the next letter, and that's the S. And that's, you got to know how to stay safe. Now, believe me, we can talk about this, this safety topic for hours alone. And, and that's why we encourage folks to take our bear safety webinars. But I'm going to focus on one particular aspect of it that is absolutely critical to staying safe, especially in grizzly country. It's this thing called situational awareness. Yeah, that's that's a biggie. Situational awareness is huge in, in all aspects of life, honestly, but especially when you are trying to stay safe. Um, I, I have more than my fair share of case studies where this, having situational awareness, could have saved a life. Yeah, and here's the big thing when it comes to grizzlies. They hate and I mean, they absolutely hate getting surprised. Now, one of the most dangerous situations you can, you can get yourself into is surprising a female grizzly with cubs or surprising a grizzly that's on a fresh carcass. In that instance, their first reaction is to defend. And so they're either going to defend their offspring or they're going to defend their food. And if you're the thing they're fighting, well, let's just say, I hope you have your affairs in order. <laughs> so agreed. But so what are folks supposed to do, though, in that situation? Well, it's actually pretty easy. Don't get yourself in that situation in the first place. And, Thank and you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> well, that's the whole idea behind situational awareness. So if, if you're hiking and you suddenly find yourself in an area where your visibility is extremely limited, you either better start making noise as you walk or at least be at the ready or on high alert. And when I say at the ready, that means you can, you can get your spare, bear spray ready, but just make sure you, you are prepared for a close encounter. Uh, but there's also other signs you can look for. So for example, Say you're on a hike and you go walking and you find yourself in a field full of ripening berries. Your brain, remember that tool that I said is pretty important? Your brain better be telling you 
hey, other animals may be feeding in this area. So it's, it's, the, it's, that is the emphasis of situational awareness. And so obviously if you're out and about and you find a carcass or a food cache, like I said, your spidey senses better be tingling because it's all about being aware of your surroundings. And then from that point, you try to identify situations that may increase that likelihood of running into a bear. Yeah. And, and I could totally see this discussion going in so many directions, but, but we'll, we'll leave it at that. The best way to stay safe is to have high situational awareness. Okay, so let me let me handle the last letter of ASK, the ASK acronym, and that is K for knowledgeable. So this one's pretty simple, folks. Study and educate yourself as much as you possibly can um, about the animals, the, the animal that you're concerned about. In this case, for our discussion, is grizzlies. And, and know what types you know, of food sources they like. Know when they're most active. Know when they're breeding. But most importantly know their behaviors and how you react to those. Um, once again, as Daryl said a minute ago, the webinars that we teach on bear safety, they go into so much more detail on this. So we really, really encourage you um, to consider a, a wildlife for you safety class. And thank you so much for plugging that live class because face it, Steph, there's literally only so much we can talk about in this 30 minute podcast and and I know we got to stay to 30 minutes. We just can't cover it all. But those, those classes we offer, they're usually much longer and they're way more focused. And the cool thing with those live webinars that we do, they include lots of instructional videos and photos and, and what to look for in, in each situation. So anyway, the bad thing is right now we don't have any live classes scheduled, but Literally, that can change in an instant. If there's a lot of people that say, hey, why don't you do a, a bear safety class? We'll schedule one for next week or, or whenever. But we don't have anything scheduled now, but just follow us on Facebook and, and you'll know when we do. So, um, all right, before we even consider start wrapping it up, I think there's one more thing that we really need to stress when hiking in grizzly country. And do you want to take the lead on that one? Well, I imagine that you're talking about carrying bear spray. Yep. Yep. I would be happy to. So now let me begin by saying that this is not a debate on which is more effective, bear spray versus guns. Um, we're huge proponents of bear spray for a number of reasons. Um, and we could go on this one forever too, but statistically, bear spray is usually much, much more effective, especially if you have no training with firearms. But even if you do have training with firearms. And the main reason is bear spray will put out this cloud as opposed to this singular projectile that's pretty small and gonna go in a straight line, you know, and that straight line may or may not be a good one. So, um, and here's the thing, even with bear spray though, you need to practice, uh, especially if you plan on hiking quite a bit in grizzly country. Being able to draw, remove the safety mechanism, and depress that lever, it's something that takes a little bit of muscle memory. Um, I mean, it doesn't sound like it, but, but it really, really does um, because it's, it's a minute that you're going to need your muscles to react because your brain is probably going to just be in the what mode. So muscle memory is key. And obviously, 
That also means you don't pack your freaking bear spray in your backpack or on the back of your backpack or anywhere where it's not readily and easily and always accessible. Always carry it uh, in the exact same place. And again, practice, practice, practice. Uh, there's actually courses that you can take to, to help you learn how to practice. And there's also these practice cans that have inert or um, inactive. They, you know, it's, it's got stuff in there, but it's not spray that's going to light you on fire if it blows back in your face. But it's these inert ingredients. Once you know how to use your bear spray, though, if you ever find yourself in a situation where a close encounter may occur, you can at least be at the ready. And, and trust me, trust me, trust me. When that moment comes, you need that muscle memory or you're just going to literally stand there like a doof and let the events happen as they may. Um, it really has to be practiced. Yeah. And once again, it is your brain that is leading the way. So, all right, let's, let's try wrapping this up. And once again, the thing I need to reiterate is hiking in bear country or should I say grizzly country it is absolutely magical. The landscapes are breathtaking, but the mere fact that you're not the dominant animal out there, man, that really provides some kind of excitement that just simply cannot be described. Yeah, yeah. And add to that, um, you know, there's nothing to fear. And I'm not, I'm not just going on like some big male bravado, even though I realize I'm female. So in my case, it's female bravado. But what you really need though, you just, you need a clear mind and a healthy respect for these amazing creatures. And I cannot tell you how truly awesome it is to see a grizzly in its natural habitat. It is truly, truly awesome. It's something you will never forget for the rest of your life. So with that, we hope that you learned a little bit about grizzlies and what you should and shouldn't do in grizzly country. Uh, so does, this, does that mean we have to end things now? Ah, alas, Jujubee, you picked up on my tone, so you know it's time. Yeah, I suppose this is the time where I have to tell everyone to visit our webpage at www.wildlifeforyou.com. But really, really, really want to follow along with us. You can, you can always follow us on Twitter, but even more importantly you should like and follow us on Facebook. That's why I do pretty much everything and let everyone know what's going on with wildlife for you. So anyway, if you want to find out about our podcast or webinars, any other fun facts, like I said, just like us on Facebook. So before we wrap this thing up stuff, are there any shout outs you want to do? Actually? Yeah. Amanda Mora, who listens all the way from Costa Rica. Yeah, that, that was awesome. I think you saw some of her messages it, mm -hmm. it is so awesome when we sit here, we do these podcasts and we know we have a couple of listeners with our parents and then a, a few of the folks on Facebook, <laughs> but to, to get an instant message from someone in Costa Rica and, and if you, I, well, will you grant me a tangent? Because I didn't do any tangents this whole <laughs> podcast and like, I, you know, I felt a, a withdrawal that I was going, to, now I've identified it. Go ahead. And, my nose was itching the whole time. It's like, do a tangent, do a tangent. So um, the, the instant message I received from Amanda Mora was she said she started listening to our podcast and she was enamored with the whole Timothy Treadwell and she listened to that podcast and she thought it was awesome. 
And she went on to say that she, um, in her country of Costa Rica, there's, there's not much hunting that goes on. And, and she heard us mention a few things about hunting and she wanted to know what was up with hunting, why people do that. And I, I sent her an article I wrote that kind of explains the connection that you have. If, if you are a hunter and you, you harvest an animal for food, you have so much more respect and appreciation and it, it, you have a connection to that animal. And she was, she was blown away by that. And she just, she thought it was a wonderful thing. She, she even told us that that's not uh, typically what, what some of the non-hunters think about. And she was so appreciative of us taking the time to explain all that. So huge shout out to Amanda Mora. Um, tell Costa Rica to tune in and listen to Wildlife For You podcast. So, all right, badass bear lady. <laughs> Think there's anything else we need to say? And I just realized I'm in so much trouble with your mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mom will, mom's going to mom's going to be like, "You tell Daryl to watch his mouth." I'll be like, "I do, mama." <laughs> yeah, you keep calling me Juju B and tell your mom to plug your ears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Juju B. See, that's you got to find creative ways. Anyway, um yes, so actually you mentioned to, to listen to our podcast, but for real, subscribe to our podcast from your preferred podcast app. That way you get automatic notifications when we have new content available um, and you'll get those right away, which is kind of cool because sometimes the two of us, Daryl and I, we get maybe a little, you know, other things and life happens. So it might, you know, we might forget for a day to, to post that we, Hey, we did a podcast. We totally forgot. So anyway, other than that, and probably the most important thing of all, when it comes to wildlife, your knowledge often means their existence. Damn, that was badass. My mom.